Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Hey, let's go to Psalm 91 one more time. Let's go to Psalm 91 while I'm taking this off here, and then we'll get right into the word. If you've been, been here for the last three weeks, you'll notice that we've been talking about a specific topic, um, and it's titled Steward the Dwelling. Steward the Dwelling. How many of you have been blessed, encouraged, God has been speaking to you about stewarding the dwelling? Amen? Does it, just one. That's good. Today the rest of you will get touched, hopefully. <laughs> but um, how many of you um, maybe have, uh, I would say, a, a testimony, you know, something in which the last three weeks that the Lord is speaking uh, to you in, in regards to the messages that we've been preaching and it's been doing something to you. Anyone like that that has like a, a testimony, something that God is, is doing in you and stuff like that with the last three weeks? Well, I want to release this prayer over you today. Lord, I pray that there be many testimonies from this word that steward the dwelling would become something that is encountered genuinely in our lives each day. That next Sunday, if I ask how many of you have a testimony of, of steward the dwelling and what that's doing to you on a personal level, that Man, there'd be stories here of encounters that are genuine, not fake, not fabricated, but genuine encounters of God, you and them, whether they're driving, whether they're in the shower, whether they're in bed, whether they're wherever they're at, that you're just consuming them with your fire, with your presence. Amen? Speak to us through your word, and we say, hallelujah. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down in your notes. Steward the dwelling part three It has become. Steward the dwelling part three. Three. How many of you, if you took notes last uh, week, I believe it was last week, we might have defined it last week and the week before, but how many of you remember what, when I said the secret place and I broke down uh, the exact wordage and we went into Greek and we went to Hebrew and we went into dwelling and all that, how many of you remember what the secret place represented? The secret place. Anyone in here want to give it a shot? Anyone that took notes on that? The secret place. Anyone, anyone, anyone? No answer is the wrong answer. When we said, well, we're in Psalm 91. Anyone there, first person that, 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 that their eyes are on it. Read Psalm 91. Start off there on verse 1. Go ahead, read it out loud for the whole family here. Yeah, we can stop there. Another translation says it this way, Psalm 91.1. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Remember that? We spoke a little bit about dwell. We spoke a little bit about secret place uh, and even shadow. We've spoken about shadow. And I kind of want to, before we get into this today, not too much today, just straight to it. The secret place, I, I just want to give a, a reminder of what this was and what this is. The secret place is the place which we would call the hiding place. It is the place where we would even say the place of covering. And in scripture we see that there are secret places in people's lives. How many of you have read the Gospels of Jesus? And we're going to get into that now in a moment. 
And in the gospel of Jesus, the disciples wake up. And as the disciples wake up, they say, where's Jesus at? And where's Jesus at? He's at the secret place. Scripture says that he comes down from the mountain, he comes up to the disciples, and he was up on the mountain praying with the Lord. He had a place with the Lord, a secret place, and the secret place was between him and God. It was him and God. That was his secret place. How many of you remember the story of Moses? Moses kept asking the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. The Lord said, all right, I'm going to pass by you today. I'm going to show you my glory just as you ask. What I want you to do is I want you to come to the cleft of this rock. I want you to stand on it, this cleft of this mountain where this rock is, and I want you to stand right here. And I'm going to pass by, and I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'm going to remove my hand, and you will see my back. And that's going to be enough for you. It was a place where Moses spoke to the Lord. It's a place where Moses saw the glory of the Lord. And it was his very own time with the Lord. You could consider that Moses a secret place. I think about Peter. He was in a house and he went into a trance and the Lord gave him a vision. He had a time with the Lord. I've had, I, I could tell you today that my secret place is not confined to one specific location. I could tell you this though, my secret place is confined to one person. Are you with me? It's about one person. I don't know if you remember when we came back from Israel, the group that came back, I went into the scripture of the Samaritan woman at the well with Jesus. And she was like, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You say that on that mountain in Jerusalem is the mountain of God where you are to worship at. We Samaritans say it's on this mountain where we Samaritans say we should be worshiping at. And Jesus gives her the greatest reply of all replies. He says it's neither on that mountain that us Jews say or neither on your mountain that the Samaritans say. It is the true place of worship. The hour is coming where true worshipers will arise in spirit and truth. How many of you remember that? What was he doing? He was releasing her to a place of come to the secret place and stop thinking that this mountain is your secret place. How do I know that even this church is not our secret place? Because my goodness, have you seen the fires in California? Imagine if a fire, and we should pray for that. Imagine if fire hits this building. Imagine if a storm hits this building. This building collapses and we say we're done. We don't have a secret place no more. Shame on us if this building is the place where our worship is found at. This is the place actually where we bring our worship to. But it's not the place where our worship should be found at. Can I, can I go even deeper on that? This is the place where we bring his presence into. But it's not the place where his presence should be found at. That might hurt some of you. Because the reality is, I said last, sun, last Sunday, we stood before the western wall where the is the Jewish people are praying and they're walking back and forth praying for that western wall for a temple to be built again. And I said, we went to the western wall and we prayed and laid hands on it. And what happened there was the third temple, us, went to the western wall and they were blind. They didn't see that the third, temp the third temple was built already. The third temple is you. You are the temple which the Holy Spirit now dwells in. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful house here we have today. What an awesome family. Look at each other for a moment. Smile at someone. I know you guys already gave each other a hug. Smile at me. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, under the defense, under the protection, under the shade of the Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Those who dwell in the hiding place, in the place of covering 
shall find defense in the Most High, shall find protection in the Most High. My Lord covers me. So in that truth, my Lord is my defense. My Lord, his wings are over me. His feathers, I know there's a song that we talk about his feathers. His arms are around me. I don't want to say wings because then I'm going to get a lot of text messages. I, I didn't mean that. His arms are around me. It's going to be a whole other discourse. But his arms are around me. And as his arms are around me, he is my shade, my protection, my defense. Why? Wrap me in your arm. That song, wrap me in your arms, Lord, is actually saying what? Take me to the secret place. That's why we sing it. The secret place. That song is about the secret place. And then as we sing about the secret place, the revelation of the secret place is being wrapped in the arms of God. So what is your secret place? Don't automatically think of a location, but think of a person. And the secret place of any man that's a believer, a son and daughter of God is when I'm wrapped in Abba's arms. I love that the Lord gave a prophetic word today and said, the fatherless come forth and let me pick you up as father again. I believe that was a gathering of fatherless that was being brought into the arms of God, which is enter back into the secret place with me. Where you find that secret place is in the one called me and it's Abba, it's Father, it's Jesus, it's all three, it's there, their presence in you, with you. Hallelujah, your presence with them. How many of you can say amen? Come on, steward the dwelling. And I want to continue in this and I want to continue to speak about this because this is the one thing that I want to make sure I tell you, especially because of the city that we live in. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 1. Why don't you go ahead and flip to Mark 1 with me in the New Testament. And in Mark chapter 1, the reason why I want to go here for a moment is because I want to point to Jesus, a great example. I think that's the best place to start and finish at. But how many of you have felt that you're, and guys, we could speak real honest here. How many of you could say, I feel like I lack in prayer because I'm very busy? I feel like I lack in worship because I'm very busy. And, and, and many of us could say, I feel like that. I feel like I'm just overwhelmed. I'm busy. I'm, and, and I can't pray. I can't worship. I can't seek him. You're talking about steward the dwelling. But I'm trying and I can't find a moment. I can't find a time. And I want to take you to Jesus. And I want to make sure that we understand that, that just because Jesus lived in a different time than us, I want you to see this, you see, because sometimes like, well, you know, Jesus and those people, they lived in a different time. They don't have things the way we have them today. So it was so much easier to seek in those days. Well, it's very easy to say that today. But the reality is Jesus in his day was also very busy. Jesus in his day was also like we're working, we're in front of a computer, we're meeting deadlines, we're going to sites, different sites that we got to make sure are, are, are happening okay. Some of us have to make phone calls, some of us have to send emails, some of us have to have meetings throughout the week and all this stuff is busyness, busyness, busyness. But Jesus was busy. He was walking through towns, casting out demons, lifting up dead people. I'm talking about preaching to masses, making miracles happen, 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. I could do it. I mean, Jesus was constantly busy. Yeah, at his job. He was busy. He was busy. Just like you're busy in front of your computer. Just like you're busy meeting deadlines. Just like you're busy doing collection. Whatever it is that you do, you're busy. Whatever it was that Jesus was doing, I'm telling you today, he was constantly busy. I know that for a fact. I can prove it to you biblically. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was constantly moving. He was constantly to the next one. And then... 
he goes to be with the Father. He sends his helper, the advocate, um, the Holy Spirit. And then Paul just, and Peter and the rest of the fellows, they just take on the same spirit. So Paul was busy. Man, I can't think of anyone busier in scripture than from Jesus to Paul. I mean, Paul was a busy man. I can't stop reading the letters of Paul. I'm like, man, did he breathe ever? Did he stop? Did he chill? Did he relax? Did he take a, you know, nowhere in scripture have I ever read any of the apostles says, and on this date of this year, I took a sabbatical and I went on vacation for five. <laughs> they were constantly ministering, busy with the things of God. I mean, so busy that Paul died and he was so busy that God resurrected him. And then he's so busy that he, think about us for a moment. If I'm, if I'm killed because I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus, if I'm killed like Paul was, he was stoned. If I'm killed and God resurrects me, I think you guys would be okay if I take a month off and I take a cruise, a destination vacation, and I stay home for another week. I think you guys would be like, you deserve it. Pastor, you died and he resurrected you. You deserve at least a month off. How many of you would say yes and amen? I, I would. But Paul's like, no. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to the town where they killed me. I'm going to preach there again. And I'm going to go to the next village and I'm going to preach there again. It was like they were constantly busy in the things of God. But yet their shadows were casting out demons and healing the sick. Their very own garments were being thrown and people were being resurrected. People from all over were being brought to the apostles. And the blind were seen, the lame were walking. I'm talking about the lost were found. And these were men that were performing signs, wonders, and miracles. But my goodness, were they busy. I just can't pray. I'm busy. Imagine that. Father, I can't come to you. I'm busy. And, and it's good busyness. I'm not knocking your business. You need to work. You need to make money. You need to pay the bills. Praise God for your job. Amen. But your job was never given to you to take the place of God. Never. There is a way to work, be busy, and still find prayer and worship that never ceases in that busyness. There is a way. There is a way. Oh, amen. There is a way. Say that. There is a way. Maybe that will be the message title. Steward part three. I don't know. There is steward the dwelling. There is a way. There is a way. Let's go to Mark 1. Let's just have some fun. How many of you like to have church and have fun? I do. I don't want to go to church and... Not have fun. I want to have fun. If we go to a restaurant and we have fun, and if we go to a game and have fun, we should come over here and have fun. Don't be so serious, but be serious. Mark chapter 1. Can we put your eyes on verse 21 for a moment? I want to look at everything that takes place. Let me put it this way. Ready? Jesus gets baptized. Jesus gets baptized. Does anyone know what that signifies once Jesus gets baptized? It's the beginning of, all right, good. It's the beginning of his ministry to say the least or whatnot. So he gets baptized. The spirit of the Lord falls upon him, correct? When the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit falls upon him, um, he begins to start off his ministry. And Jesus' baptism takes place. And then he chooses the first disciples in Mark chapter 1. But I want you to look at what happens right <laughs> Right after Jesus' baptism, 
and right after he chooses his first disciples. Let's go to verse 21 just to save time. We'll start there. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. Ready? Verse 21. I'll read from the NLT today. Here we go. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. Hallelujah. (laughs) Isn't Capernaum just a special place every time we say it now? It's like the spirit of the Lord falls on you when you say Capernaum. All right. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. With great authority, real authority, different authority. Quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Verse 23, suddenly a man in the synagogue, I love this, right? Who was possessed by an evil spirit, a demon-possessed man. He began shouting, like, this is fun. Like, this is fun. When this happens here, don't stop coming here. When this stuff starts happening here, you start bringing everyone over here. Because, you know, oh my God, a demon spoke in church today. Good. What do you want them to do? Stay quiet. We need them to talk to see who they are to cast it out so that person could be set free. All right, that's good. They go, I don't think I want to go back to that church. They're casting out demons. What church do you want to go to? To a church that people come in and stay demon possessed? Hey, thanks for entertaining me. I'm going to go back home with my seven demons. No, I need to go to the place and I need to bring all my friends who got a couple demons on them and we're going to go over there and all get set free. And the people of God say, that's the kind of church we want. I mean... That's the kind of church we want. I don't want to be like, oh, we casted out a demon today. Hopefully you guys come back. Shame on me if I ever make that announcement. And shame on you if you ever think twice coming back. So whoever has a demon today, let's go ahead and we'll cast it out. No, I'm being serious. Here we go. <clears throat> I mean, it's in the scripture. I'm not making this stuff up. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. I love this. You are the Holy One of God. So Jesus cut him short. I'm going to be very honest with you. Jesus says, shut up. Shut up. Let me tell you why. You have no authority. You have no authority to say one more word. Shut up. I'm going to speak. Shut up. This is what Jesus told him. Be quiet. I don't really think he said be quiet. Be quiet. But the translation of the Bible is very kind. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and came out of him. Amazement, I love this right here. Amazement gripped the audience. I I just feel like maybe that has to happen here. So that finally, amazement could grip the audience for once. I mean, that happens today. I'm thinking, you guys are coming at five, say, forget team, let's just keep worshiping. I'm filled with amazement and I'm gripped you guys get what I'm saying hopefully amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened what sort of new teaching is this they asked excited it has such authority even the evil spirits obeyed his orders the news about Jesus began to spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee come on hey Jesus was busy He's traveling to Capernaum. He's teaching in the synagogue with real authority, different authority, a deeper authority. A possessed man shouts out to Jesus. He casts out the evil spirit. The audience is in awe, and his fame begins to spread. Welcome to your ministry. Let's keep reading. Verse 29. You with me? Having fun already? The Lord is already speaking to you? Amen. Verse 29. After Jesus left the synagogue, here it is. Right after he left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon 
and Andrew's home. This is Peter, okay? Peter and Andrew's home. We saw that home. Okay, we saw it. If you guys remember, we stood there. Mercy spoke the word there. Lou spoke the word there. We prayed there. Something special happened in our Israel trip in Capernaum. We stood right next to this home that we're reading right here. It says that we went to Peter and Andrew's home, and now Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her sit up. The fever left her and prepared a meal for them. She began to prepare a meal. So cool. That evening after sunset, it keeps going. It doesn't end there. Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not, he did not allow them to speak. Are you guys reading this stuff or is it just, like, I read this and I'm like, this is intense. So, now in verse 29 to 34, what else is happening? Now, he leaves the synagogue where the demon-possessed man was told to shut up and then he casted him out and he taught like he never taught like anyone else before. And now as he leaves the synagogue, he goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house and then he grabs her by the hand, he heals her. She, it's pretty cool. She begins to cook dinner for them because, man, he's got to be hungry. He's casting out demons. He's preaching all day. He's got to be hungry. Many sick, many demon-possessed are brought to Jesus. The whole town now is being gathered. You could almost imagine, like, where the party at? Everyone and their mothers were at Peter's mother-in-law's house. Like, they couldn't fit in there. They were hanging off the windows, hanging off the roofs. Yo, can Jesus touch me? It was jam-packed. It was crowded because that's the way it rolled in these days. And you could just imagine Peter's mother-in-law's house in Capernaum was just filled with everyone from that town. And he continues to heal and he continues to cast out evil spirits. And it says many. It says there were many. I love that, that the author doesn't even tell us how many there were. I didn't count. I wasn't even going to start counting. It was ongoing. There was lines to get to him. He was just like walking by people. It was many, many who were being touched. I would say he was busy. You guys are with me so far, right? Let's keep reading. Why not? Verse 35, it gets better and better. Verse 35, before daybreak, the next morning, the next morning, I would say that was enough for a year. Enough for a year. But no, the next morning, this is why the Bible says that all the books in the world can't contain all the miracles he did. We just have some. Okay? This guy was just like, and there were many. Can you imagine if I sit here and I start writing down everything he did in Capernaum? Just know there were many. All the books in the world can contain. So beautiful. I love my God. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to the isolated place. Everyone say isolated. What does your translation say? Solitary. That's a good one. Huh? De desolate. That's a great word. Desolate. Hmm. Lord, let this strike a chord. <clears throat> to an isolated place to pray. Later, Peter and the others went out to find him. Did you notice that for a moment? Seriously, seriously, I need you to notice this. Because not one time was Jesus' relationship with Abba. Not one time do we see, not one time do we see he needed, he, it was between him and Abba. Like, it, he was not leaning on the disciples in his relationship with the Father. He was responsible. He was stewarding it on his own. It wasn't like, well, through you guys, I need to do, obviously we're talking about Jesus. Maybe if we were talking about another character, it would make more sense. But it says, 
He went to the isolated place to pray. Later, Peter and the others went to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Duh, he's casting out demons. He's healing people, of course. But Jesus answered back, we must go. Man, the heart of, it's, it's like John the Baptist. It's like Jesus, like so many other people that come after him. We must go. On to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in all the synagogues and casting out demons. Isn't that cool that they were about to make him like famous right there? He could have conquered that town. He could have started a revolution right there. But he's like, nah, it's my time, my time to go. So good. So here he is again in verses 35 through 38. He leaves the synagogue. Again, Peter's mother-in-law, she's cooking. She just got healed. Demons and people are getting healed, all that. And 35 to 38. He gets up before daybreak. How do I know that? Because it says it, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. Before daybreak. Jesus already went to the secret place before the sun ever came out. He was already with the Father. Before the sun ever came out. Before he ever started his day. Early that is, it's still night out. He goes, he goes to what scripture says, an isolated place, a desolate place. Um, it's a place that you could even say a place of like the wild or wilderness. It's an inhabited place. It's a, um, it's a place which isn't inhabited. It's a, it's a place which is um, um, just remote. It's distinct. It's different. It's, it's me alone, just isolated, desolate, nothing, just me and that in which I go to. And that's where he goes to. And, and, and they come up to him and they say, everyone is looking for you. And, and we start to recognize if everyone is still looking for Jesus, what is that telling us about that region? There is still great need there. Because everyone's still looking. Everyone's still looking. And, and I love this for us to realize that, that Jesus said, well, I know that there's a, still a need here. But I, I got to go now to the next town. Because many times we could really focus on everyone and others' needs. And that's a good thing. We, we must, we believe here in this church in deep divine fellowship. And sometimes that deals with helping each other in our needs. But be careful that your life is not constantly being poured out and you're not being poured in. Because we, we need to understand that, that, yes, it's very important and we could focus on everyone and we could focus on, on all the people all around us. But yet we could miss one of the most important things in our lives. And it is, do I even understand the need that is in my very own life? Because if I don't understand the need that is in my life, man, there's going to be a point where I'm no longer going to be able to pour out and bless the need in your life. So because of that, I need to focus and pay attention to, the, to this. And sometimes it's just getting away. Sometimes it's locking ourselves up. Sometimes it's finding the secret place with the one. Don't ever confuse for secret place for location. I'm going to continue to repeat. Man, get this in your mind. Get yourself in the secret place with the one. The secret place is him. God wants us to have it and to find it. And in having it and finding it, it's having him and finding him. How many of you have had a secret place encounter in the car? I wouldn't say that's a good physical secret place. Because if you close your eyes, you could crash. <laughs> but you've raised your hand. You said that was a secret place to you. Why? Because it's not about a location. It's because now you're driving and he's sitting with you. How many of you have laid in your bed and you said, I've experienced a secret place encounter in my bed. Not a good location. Because if you're sleeping, you close your eyes, you could fall asleep. Which I think, shame on the church that has always bashed people for falling asleep praying. I think if you're going to fall asleep, the greatest way to fall asleep is in prayer. Whatever. 
Shame on you. You fall asleep in praying. I get it because we go back to the Gethsemane and Jesus, but that was a whole other context of scripture, okay? <laughs> Can't take things out of context. But, but pray so much that you pray even falling asleep. You pray. Uh, I, mean, I don't know, whatever. Weird stuff like that. All right, what was I saying? My wife, what was I saying? Yeah, sleeping, not, maybe not a good place because you'll fall asleep. Like, oh, man, I had so much more to say to God. But it's okay now because it's not about the location of the bed. It's because he laid down with you on the bed. You guys are with me? You're, 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 you're making a phone call at work. Hello, this is so-and-so. I'm calling you to see if you want to subscribe to our new. And in the middle of that, you, you, the Holy Spirit is doing something in you. And you might, can I, I'm going to, you have to hang up because you have to fake it. Because you're just in tears now at work in your cubicle because you found out that there's a, your cubicle became a secret place and the presence of the Lord filled you there. I've spoken to Tito. I've spoken to Tito and he's called me and he's like, I don't know what's happening to me right now. And he's in his office in a public school which he could get fired with worship, I think, in the word. And he just finished dialoguing with someone and he's in tears in his office. And, and, and I, would, I would say that that's not a good secret place. He could get fired. You shouldn't be doing the things of Jesus in a public school, supposedly. But it became a secret place because his secret one, the, the one that he was present with him there. I mean, I really want you to understand this kind of stuff because I want you to look for it. And as I, I want you to look for it, I want you to look for him. Why? Search him while he may be found. This whole thing, like, well, you know, you're really asking us to search and look for him. You know, aren't you asking, you're forcing us, you're calling us to do this? Yeah, while he may be found, search for him. I am. What do you think? You're going to just be lazy? You're going to sit down, eat popcorn, watch a movie all day, and he's just going to appear and say, hey, I, I know you're distracted with that movie, and the girl's naked on the screen, by the way. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm going to come and, and show up anyways because, you know, I no, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it's turn off the TV. It's not good for you. Turn off the music. It wasn't good for you. Turn off the chatter. It wasn't good for you. And find him in the secret place with the Lord and watch him reveal himself to you and your whole life begins to be transformed. Man, steward the dwelling. Steward the dwelling. I believe that. So, so it could refer to a physical location, but I believe that it's nothing about a physical location. Though some people are like, I just like to worship God in this manner, in this place. That's cool. Take your walks, take your whatever, your swims, whatever it is. But I'm telling you, it also points deep into the state of our soul. It's pointing to the state of our soul. What do I mean by that? The state of our soul in the context of its relationship with God. In Psalm 27, 5, I'm going to read this for a moment. I have it here. Check this out. Psalm 20, actually, you know what? Let me just read through the, this, this. I'm going to read more in 27, 5. Just have fun with me. Psalm 27.3 says this, My heart will not be afraid even if an army rises to attack. I know that you are there for me, so I will not be shaken. Psalm 27 verse 3. Verse 4. Psalm 27.4. Here's the one thing. Everyone say one thing. Man, that always comes up. Here's the one thing I crave. I hunger from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house. One thing remains. Verse 4 is a very sharpening passage, isn't it? Doesn't the sword cut you on that? The sword should cut you on that. Because if you're honest, is it really the one thing that you hunger for? 
I'm not saying, is it, come on, you have to really look at scripture the way scripture is written. I'm not saying if it's one of the things. The passage is very clear. Is it the one thing that you hunger for? Or are you sharing your hunger? Is your appetite for many others? He says here, Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I see above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment. Guys, what do you think the psalmist is saying there? The secret place. That's it. It's him. Finding the sweet loveliness of his face. Filled with awe. Delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Oh, I could dance to that. Verse 5 and 6, in the shelter, in the day, in the shelter, remember the shelter? In the shelter, in the day of trouble, that's where you, fight, you will find me. For he hides me there in his holiness. Love this, I bolded this in my notes. He has smuggled me into his secret place. Wrap me in your arms. Smuggled me into his secret place. Wrap me in your arms where I'm kept safe and secure, out of reach from all my enemies. Triumphant now, I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Public declaration from an inward victory that is found in the secret place called Jesus. We struggle with public declaration because we're still struggling with private victories. This place will become a public declaration powerhouse. When we begin to experience and encounter private victories at home. I'm being serious. I believe in your own little prayer time and your own quietness in worship. But when we gather, I also believe in a roar that comes from the people of God. Does anyone else believe that with me? I believe that. They're both good. They're both right. They're both from the Lord. I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, listen and you can hear the fanfare of my shouts of praise to the Lord. God, hear my cry. Show me your grace. Show me mercy and send the help I need. Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my inner being responded, I'm seeking your face with all of my heart. I love that. It's, 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 it's that place, man, where we're looking within. Where is your relationship with God? How are you stewarding the dwelling? Your dwelling is not to fake it. Your dwelling is not to pretend. Your dwelling is not to smile in here and come up with a good story. of like, whoa, you should see what God did this week in my little private time with God. No, your, your dwelling with him is that your life, it is consistently and it is just joyfully being transformed every day, every night when the sun comes up and the sun comes down that you can't even say stories anymore because you're like, which story do you want me to tell? There's every day that the Lord is doing something in my heart. There's every day that the Lord is speaking to me. God is just doing something. If you, I mean, you have to believe that that's for you and it can be. I mean, this is so special. It's, it's, Lord, where's my heart? Where's my soul? In the context of, in this relationship that I have with you, am I stewarding the dwelling? Amen. I believe that. Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Mosa shall abide under the shadow. I, I, I love this. It's the hiding place as a child. It is the place of security. My greatest place to be found at is in the secret place, which is in the arms of my God. That is the greatest place where I could be at. Why? Because the Bible also says that I have an enemy who is throwing fiery darts at me. Who is scheming to destroy the people of God. I mean, did you understand that? When you wake up, 
there is an enemy that is scheming his way, scheming things around to say, how can I poke at his heart today? How can I poke at that marriage today? How can I poke at that child today? How can I poke at your job today? So some of you are being disturbed at work. Some of you are being disturbed at home. Some of you are being disturbed in your mind. Some of you are being disturbed in so many areas of your life. And I want to tell you, good. Why? Because maybe in that disturbance, he wants to call you into an arms of love, an arms of the secret place that your life will never be the same again. So those disturbances no longer have power, control, authority, victory over you because you say, I found my secret place. I am under the shadow, protection. I am under the wings of my God. I believe that. It's that hiding place as a child. I don't want to repeat stories like my children, and I love that, and he loves that. Go back and listen to all the podcasts, but it's that. It's the secret place. He wants us at the secret place. What is the secret place? Do you know it already? It's when you're with him and he's with you. Where's home? Come on, church, you should know this. If you're part of this family, this nest, you know what home is. Home? Come on, home is where his presence is. If his presence is not there, we're not home. Home is where his presence is. Hey, is this home? Is his presence there? Yeah, then I'm home. That's why you could be in Africa and you could be in a village in a small town which is being persecuted. And there's people all around you ready to burn down that village and kill you because in that tribe, Muslim people are going to come and kill you. But you stop and you, and you hang out in that village and you're like, this feels great. And you're in Africa and people are half naked and they're worshiping and they're crying out and singing in tongues. And you say, this is awesome. I'm in Africa, but I'm home at the same time. Why? Because there's a presence over there in that village with those primitive people and you feel just with them. I'm with sons and daughters. I am before the Father. I feel at home. How weird. I'm in Africa. You could be in China. You could be in Hialeah. You could be in Kendall. You could be in Georgia. You could be in California. You could be in the, whatever sides of this, in whatever region of this world. And where his presence is, home is there. Take off your sandal, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. I love that. That I'm constantly just kicking it with Jesus, man. How's it going today? My shoes are off, man. What does that mean? What are you doing with your shoes off? My shoes are off constantly. Like, yes, go to work with your shoes on. And, and yes, go out to dinner with your shoes on. But spiritually, take off your sandals. You stand on holy ground. Welcome home, child. You could take off your shoes here. No need to wear your shoes. Moses took, off his, Moses took off his shoes. And he stood before the presence of God. When he was home, the presence started to speak into his life. You're home. Let this take over your life. Now he leads with messages and words. Go deliver God's people. Let's keep going into this stuff. Home, the promise is to those, man, who dwell there, who dwell in the secret place. Man, I want you to move into that secret place. Pitch your tent in that secret place. That's where you quiet your heart. Sometimes that's where your heart screams too. That's where you even not just search for him. Can I be honest with you? But that's also where the Lord searches in you. Not only where he is revealing things to you, but it's also where you find yourself revealing things to him. Not that it needs to be, but such a special moment. It's where he becomes nearest. It's where we learn to trust. It's where we need to be willing to be transparent. It's the secret place with my beloved. How many of you can say amen? amen. If I have a secret place with my wife, I need to be transparent. If not, it's not going to work. There's no way I could go into that. Whatever. It's got to be transparent. It's got to be open. It's... I can't be at dinner with her and, and have the phone upside down because I'm scared for her to check my text messages or scroll down my pictures or see my history on my phone. Because then 
I've lost that intimacy with my wife if she can't search through my phone. I can't come before the Lord like that. Lord, I'm here, but don't. But don't. don't. That's off limits. How many of you come to the Lord with off-limit things? It doesn't work that way. If I'm intimate, search it. Prove that I'm guilty. And if I am, search my heart, oh God, and make it clean. This doesn't mean divorce. This means let's come to the altar of God and let's fix the problem. This doesn't mean divorce. Because no, it says that no one shall snatch you out of your hand. This means let's come to the presence of God and fix our problems. Steward the dwelling. Amen? Matthew in chapter 6, it says, whenever you pray, be sincere, not like the pretenders. I like New King James when it says the hypocrites. They love attention. You know hypocrites love attention, right? What I mean by that is hypocrites, it's about them. They receive while praying before others in meetings and they street corners. Believe me, they've already received their full reward. They, they want to be seen. But whenever you pray, listen to this. NLT said, um, Passion Translation says it this way. Go into your innermost chamber and be alone with God. Praying to him in secret and your father who sees all that you do will reward you openly. Remember what I said? Public comes from the private victories. When you pray, there is no need to repeat empty phrases. Praying like those who do not know God. For they accept, expect God to hear them because of their many words. There is no need to imitate them. Your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Just find yourself at that innermost place. Find yourself there where you could pray anywhere at any time. I don't think that this is Jesus forcing you to a physical place. I think this is Jesus inviting you to pray anywhere at any time at any place you want because you find your place in him. Who's the one that started to pray over identity today in worship? That was good. Is it Tito? Something about identity? I don't know. Someone said something about identity. That was good because that's exactly where the secret place is at. Pray anywhere at any time to him to really connect to God. Enter into that secret place in our spirits, with our heart, with our soul and meet God there. doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm doing. I could have God. That's why I told you lately that I could walk my daughter around the neighborhood and I could be in tears. I could be crying and I could be singing to the Lord. And people, my neighbors probably think this man has lost his mind, but it's good. I'm not only just walking with my daughter. I believe that the Lord, as I'm walking my daughter, the Lord is walking me. I wonder if my daughter ever looks back like she does and she smiles sometimes. I wonder if she looks back, she sees God on top of me. I'm wondering. I'm wondering that. You know, as I'm going like that to her, hallelujah. And I'm praying things that don't worry about. I'm just saying things from the spirit I'm just and I'm saying things and, and sometimes I have tears in my eyes and I'm looking at her and she looks at me like that dada and she looks at me I'm wondering sometimes if she says dada is she talking to me or does she see Abba Father because that's scary stuff man that's awesome stuff hopefully it's that hopefully she doesn't see me hopefully she sees the throne and like what she's like if you could only see what I you think I'm looking at you dummy <laughs> you should see what's over your head there are angels that are singing to him there are many colors. There's the throne, the size. It's, it looks like crystal. It's, I mean, my gosh. Talking about crystal. Happy birthday, crystal. Today's your birthday. ADD squirrel. Happy birthday. The throne room. Crystal. I mean, we cover everything here in 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> Birthdays, anniversaries, throne room. It's all covered in an hour. All right, let's wrap this up. Worship team, start making your way up here. James chapter 4. Let's read that. In James 4. Whew. I wish, 
you guys, I'm not really lying when I do this, when I say this kind of stuff. I wish you could, it's a good heaviness. It's not like a heavier burden. I wish you could feel the heaviness that I feel. But it's a good heaviness. Oh, man, it's so good. James 4, 7, 8, 9, 10 says this. Humble yourselves before the God. Amen. I believe that. I don't know. Do you guys agree with me when I say this? I believe that when you're in the presence, when you're stewarding the dwelling, one of the clearest things that comes out of you is humility. Maybe you disagree and we could sit down and have dinner over that. That would be cool. But I feel like when you're stewarding the dwelling and you're in his presence, one of the clearest characteristics and forms of the Lord that comes out of you is, is his humility. Because I don't believe that in the presence of God, anything prideful can stand. So I love this, that in James, he says, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love this. Come close, draw near to God, and he will come close, draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Amen. We could take that. We could take that. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Not anymore. I hope not. I hope you guys are getting to the place where you're saying, not me. This is not me anymore. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow, deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Look, but it ends good. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Come on, give God some praise for that scripture. That's good. Draw near. Draw near. Hey, look at the person next to you. Tap them real quick right in the rib cage. The second rib is the one that hurts a lot. And say, draw near. Draw near. All right, two more passages and I'm done. I promise you, they're going to start singing. We're going to pray. We're going to wrap it up. One more time, draw near. Love you guys. Draw near. The spirit, when you're in the spirit, listen, listen, listen. When you're in his presence in the spirit, man, and you're there, it reveals your true thoughts. You've ever been in the presence of God and you felt a certain way? Isn't there a song about that? You catch some feelings or something? I don't know. Whatever. And you're in the presence of God. You feel a certain way and the presence of God starts to do something in you. And you start to recognize, oh shoot, what I'm really feeling is not according to God. So you have to fix that, confront that, ask for forgiveness in that. That's a, that's a good thing to have. Never lose that. It's scary when you lose that. It reveals the presence of the Lord, steward the dwelling. Why do we need to steward the dwelling? Because it reveals our thoughts. It reveals our selfishness. It reveals our sin. It reveals our pride. I need to steward the dwelling. Why? Because I know that I could be selfish. Any other selfish people with me? Any other prideful people with me? Any other? And we could go down the list of things that maybe you struggle with. We don't have to do that. So I, I know what could come out. So I need to steward the dwelling. How many of you need to steward the dwelling? Let's go to Isaiah 61. And then one more, one more verse after that and we're done. Isaiah 61, I'm going to start off in verse 1. It says, this is what the Lord opened up in the synagogue when everyone marveled at him. He opened up, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He opened up Isaiah 61 and he was fulfilling prophecy about himself. Do you know that Isaiah 61 is not just for Jesus? Do you know that Isaiah 61 is also for us? The Bible says that the same, whatever, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get carried away, but it says here, let me read this first. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. I'm going to read from the NLT. To bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim the captives be released and prisoners be set free. Amen? Has he? Is the Spirit of the Lord upon you to do that? He has sent 
me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I believe that. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies to all who mourn in Israel. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes. I don't believe this just for Israel. I believe this stuff for me too. Why not? He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the um, ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them. Oh, man. We're revivalists. In Christ, we are revivalists. Though they have been deserted for many generations, foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks, plow your fields, tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. Priests of the Lord. You will feed on the treasures of the nations, boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Love that passage. The secret place, the secret one, who really is not so secret. It's not really so secret. But it's my place. It's my place of shelter with him. How many of you have a real, genuine relationship with God? Amen. But yet your relationship with God is not my relationship with God. That's the reality. That's it. I have my secret place with the secret one, which is not necessarily so secret, but to me, in that secrecy, there's revelation. There's things about myself being found there. And in there, let the fruit of the Spirit take root and let it grow. What do I mean by this stuff? That in this place with Him, in the secret, with Him, that I would bring good news to the poor. That I will comfort the brokenhearted. Do you actually think that this, this is just for Jesus? Do you not think that you're called with the anointing of the Lord that is upon you to comfort the brokenhearted? You are. To proclaim that captives will be set free. To tell those who mourn that God's favor is here for them. I believe that this stuff is for us. And I want to flow in this stuff. I want to be fruitful in this stuff. In Galatians chapter 5, it's the same thing. Man, I, I know that, that, that Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 7 is for me. Because Romans 8, 11 tells us that the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. In John 14, 12, Jesus tells us that greater works will be done by you. So I can flow under such a grace and anointing and a touch from God and show much fruit in that. But do I have that secret place? Am I stewarding the dwelling? I want this for my life. Ready? Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit. Everyone say produces this kind of fruit in our lives. He wants to give you what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants to give you the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is found in that place where you're stewarding the dwelling. And He makes that stuff alive. Find your secret place. Not necessarily a location, a location, but a person. And when you find that place like never before, come on, I'm going to encourage you. Steward. Steward. Steward it. Steward the dwelling. It's okay to have ups and downs. It's okay to have issues. But man, don't allow your spiritual life to do this anymore. You have downs, but even in your downs, you're going up. So look at the chart different. As you're doing ups and downs, you're constantly on an upscale. 
You're constantly on an upscale in your ups and downs. That is the biblical definition of having ups and downs. As we have ups and downs in life, it's on an upscale though. It's on an upscale. If not, stop quoting from glory to glory. Stop that. You're going to have ups and downs in life. But it's ups and downs that go on an upscale. Because you are stewarding the dwelling in the glory of the Lord. Man, life was rough today. But do you believe that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you? Is the Spirit of the Lord anointed you? Yes, steward the dwelling. Man, today's downs might be your greatest highs tomorrow. It's a constant growth in your ups and downs. It's not down to restart again, to get resaved again. It's downs to continue to build you up again. It's an upscale of down, ups and downs. What? So that the fruit of the Spirit could manifest its gift upon you. Go ahead. Heal the brokenhearted. Go ahead. Set free those who are in prison. Go ahead. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Steward that. Steward the dwelling. Amen. You know why Betsy came up? Betsy's not perfect at all. But I believe that when she came up here today, she started speaking about the fatherless. And I was right there and I leaped. I said, I cannot believe that she's saying that. This is like, if I text her last night, I said, you have to say this in worship. It's like if you make this stuff up and you fake all this stuff it was that real to me I said that has to come from a place where steward the dwelling is happening that has to come from a deeper place because how is the Lord speaking that so clear to different people the same word it's got to be because the dwelling is being steward and it's taking her to a different gifting where she says the Lord is telling me this right now I don't know what it means, but some of you feel like you're fatherless. And I'm over there, and I was praying moments before, Lord, let the orphans become sons. And when she said that, I went, did you hear me? Steward the dwelling. I believe this church is stewarding the dwelling. One by one, it's happening. One by one. For the ones who have ears, they're hearing one by one. Amen. Amen, Isaiah. Oh. Let's sing a song and let's leave. We'll welcome you back at 5 o'clock. If you're part of our team, if you're part of our family, come and celebrate with us. I don't know what. I have words for tonight, but I feel like maybe I shouldn't even say anything tonight. Maybe we should just have a good time tonight. Is that cool? So we'll just have a good time tonight. We have a lot of gifts to give out. Some of you guys are going to walk away with some amazing gifts. But we're just going to have a good time. We're going to laugh tonight. It's not going to be too long. We're going to eat good. But let's sing a song and then, and then uh, we can love each other, give each other a hug. Can you stand with me?